Welcome to Healing Hearts, empowering critical care providers. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Complete information regarding the podcast, including its limitations on usage, is available under the episode description. Welcome to Healing Hearts. I'm Dr. Laura Ortman, and I'm a cardiac intensivist at Children's Nebraska. Today, I'm going to be discussing levotransposition of the great arteries, LTGA. This is also called congenitally corrected transposition. This is a rare lesion, and the treatment plan is not always clear. So let's get started. If you have spent any time in pediatrics or in the ICU, you're probably familiar with dextrotransposition of the great arteries, DTGA. This is a fairly common kind of congenital heart disease where the aorta comes off the right ventricle and the pulmonary artery off the left ventricle. LTGA is something entirely different. When discussing cardiac formation during early embryologic life, the words dextro and levo refer to the direction of looping. The heart starts as a simple tube. In normal development, it loops towards the right, which results in the right ventricle being anterior and to the right of the left ventricle. Abnormal L looping causes the morphologic left ventricle to end up on the right, with abnormal connections to both the atria and the great arteries. Let's walk through the circulation to understand how blood flows in LTGA. Blue blood returns to the heart from the body, then enters the right atrium via the superior and inferior vena cavas. This is all positioned normally. The blood then crosses a mitral valve instead of a tricuspid valve and enters the left ventricle. Even though the ventricle is situated on the right and connected to the right atrium, this is still a left ventricle. The left and right ventricles are different and not interchangeable. The left ventricle is meant to pump to the higher pressure aorta, so the myocardial walls are thicker and smooth-walled. The right ventricle in a normal heart has thinner walls with trabeculations, so we can tell the difference between the left and right ventricles even when they are in the wrong places with the wrong connections. We can also tell which ventricle is which based on the atrioventricular valves. The AV valves form from the ventricle, so the tricuspid valve will always be part of the right ventricle, and the mitral valve will always be part of the left ventricle. And since these valves have a different number of leaflets, we can tell them apart. After the blue blood crosses the mitral valve into the left ventricle, it exits the pulmonary artery to the lungs. After being oxygenated, the red blood enters the left atrium, which is normally positioned, crosses the tricuspid valve into the right ventricle, and then exits the heart through the aortic valve to the body. If you think through the sequence of blood flow, you can see why this is also called congenitally corrected transposition. Despite the ventricles being malpositioned and discordant, blue blood goes to the lungs and red blood goes to the body. You may also hear the term ventricular inversion to describe this anatomy. This can be a hard diagnosis to make on prenatal ultrasound as there are four heart chambers and two great vessels leaving those chambers. So if this baby is born without a diagnosis, what will you see in the newborn nursery? Well, possibly nothing. The baby isn't cyanotic. They won't necessarily have a murmur, so they could go home without a diagnosis. However, most hearts with LTGA have associated cardiac defects that will be noticed on prenatal ultrasound or postnatal exam. VSDs occur in up to 80% of patients. Pulmonary and tricuspid valve abnormalities are also common. So there's a good chance that your patient with LTGA will be diagnosed early. But let's go back to that small number of patients that don't have any other cardiac defects and only have inverted ventricles. The baby isn't blue, 
the blood is all flowing to the right places. So is there a problem? There are actually two problems and two common ways these patients may present later in life. The first is with arrhythmias, specifically complete heart block. The SA node, the pacemaker of the heart, is positioned normally in the right atrium. But the AV node, which conducts electrical signals from the atria to the ventricles, is displaced and at risk for progressive fibrosis over time. These patients then present with bradycardia, fatigue, or exercise intolerance. The lifetime risk of developing heart block in all LTGA patients is high. So high that some surgeons will place permanent pacemaker leads on the heart if they are in the chest to repair a cardiac abnormality, even if there isn't heart block at that time. That way, when the heart block does occur, it is easier to place a permanent box without having to dissect the heart out again to place leads. The second way a patient with LTGA without other cardiac defects can present is with heart failure. Remember that the myocardium of the right and left ventricles are different because they are meant to pump to different pressures. The right ventricle is simply not designed to pump the systemic pressures for a lifetime. So eventually, the right ventricle begins to fail in early adulthood or midlife. Symptoms are similar to other types of heart failure in adults with pulmonary edema, difficulty breathing, and fatigue. So what do we do when a baby has been diagnosed with LTGA? Because this lesion is very rare, we don't have a lot of long-term data or studies to guide us in our decision-making. There are two broad categories of surgical approaches, physiologic repair and anatomic repair. First, let's talk about physiologic repair. The goal of this approach is to fix any associated lesions, such as VSDs or pulmonary stenosis, but not to address discordant ventricles, leaving the left ventricle pumping to the lungs and the right ventricle to the body. If the patient doesn't have any hemodynamically significant associated lesions, this may mean no surgery at all. But this still leaves the patient at risk for right ventricular failure in the future. The other option is an anatomic repair. The goal of this surgery is to get the right ventricle pumping to the lungs and the left ventricle to the body so that long-term risk of RV failure is reduced. How this is accomplished depends on the presence of other lesions such as VSDs or pulmonary stenosis. Without any other significant defects, this is done by a procedure to essentially switch the atria, then switch to great arteries. Thus the name, the double switch. Let me explain. The atrial switch is accomplished by baffling the venous return from the SVC and IVC to the left atrium. So the blue blood then crosses the tricuspid valve into the RV. The red blood from the pulmonary veins is baffled to the right atrium, leading it to the left ventricle. This is called a mustard or sending procedure based on the surgical technique. If this is all the surgeon does, we would then have a very blue patient as blue blood crossing into the right atrium in the RV then exits the aorta, which is still attached to the RV. Thus an arterial switch and a coronary transfer needs to be done, similar to the operation done to correct DTGA. Now the blue blood crosses into the RV and exits to the lungs to be oxygenated, and the red blood crosses into the LV and exits to the body. The patient is well oxygenated, and the RV is no longer at risk for failing, as it is now pumping to the low-pressure lungs. This is a challenging operation and difficult to do in the newborn period. The newborn atria are small, and the baffles are at risk for obstruction or leakage. Thus, the double switch is typically done later in childhood. But there is a problem if you wait too long. If the patient is older, the LV has been pumping to the low-pressure lungs their entire life. It has gotten weak. And if we do the double switch now and expose that LV to the high-pressure systemic circulation, it could fail. Adults who present with heart failure and a new diagnosis of LTGA 
typically will not be candidates for a double switch because of the risk of LV failure. To get around this, centers will place a PA band months before a planned double switch. Since the pulmonary artery is attached to the LV, this will increase the strain on the left ventricle, resulting in increased LV muscle mass and strength, preparing it to eventually pump to the body. This is often called LV training and may involve multiple operations to sequentially tighten the band and place more pressure on the LV. This isn't always successful, and a patient may still not be a candidate for a double switch, and their suitability must be carefully evaluated. So how do we counsel families who have a baby with asymptomatic LTGA? It's easier if they have other lesions that need to be surgically addressed. But for the small number of patients that don't have other defects, this is hard. If we do nothing, there's a high risk of heart failure and need for heart transplantation, but this could be decades away. But the double switch introduces the potential of operative complications and need for reinterventions. There are not enough data on the long-term outcomes of the different approaches to make a clean decision. So we must individualize our counseling to the patient in front of us and be honest about the potential benefits and risks of surgery. Thank you for listening. Next time, I'll discuss double outlet right ventricle, D-O-R-V. Thanks for listening to Healing Hearts, empowering critical care providers.